All right, everybody, welcome back to the best hour of their day. Fern here. I'm actually super excited about this episode because I'm actually going to learn a lot. I think most of the CrossFit community would be very well served listening to this because what we are going to do is we are going to pull back the curtain on a lot of the courses, their credentials, how it all works, what the hell is the difference between the level one, level two, level three, level four. And I have no better person here uh, with me to do that than Amy Hollingsworth and um, she is also an affiliate owner, so she not only she is not only the certificate uh, certification program manager for CrossFit HQ, but she is an affiliate owner. And um, what's cool about our relationship is that we are literally on opposite coasts. But I have, over the years, had many of Amy's members who have made their way via the military from West Coast to East Coast who are now training at my gym, which is really really cool. So, thank you. So I'm trying to think I've got at least four or five over the years. That is so cool. Yeah, it's awesome. We love it that they're in good hands. Well, it's also it's always it's always refreshing because I know coming so uh Amy's husband, Dan Hollingsworth, is also on seminar staff. So I know what kind of coaching they got coming to our gym and I know that they're gonna get a very similar environment and coaching coming here. So it's always it's always a very easy transition for those folks. But um cool. So Real quick, how does one, what is your background? Like, how do you become the certification program manager for an entity? Like, forget CrossFit. Like, how does that work? Oh, that's a really interesting question because I came about this, um, I think, you know, I'm not really sure how someone would do this in a, in a general uh, organization, but how I did this, um, my background is in allied healthcare. And so um, I was a speech pathologist and- okay. I was the rehab manager for a local hospital system, and I was responsible for um, 35 staff, including physical therapists, occupational therapists, speech pathologists, and I also had a physician and the nursing staff from a wound clinic. Okay. And part of one small aspect of my duties, um, I was helping my staff uh, become, you know, get the um, their. Uh, continuing education that is required for their licensure. And um, one year, we the hospital wasn't doing super well, and we had all of our continuing education benefits sl completely slashed. So, oh, wow. Yeah. So my staff went from having $900 a year to put towards continuing education to zero. And I had to do a ton of research to figure out what I was going to do to help these people. And so I just started getting into the weeds about what the actual requirements were. And I learned a ton myself, even having a background in, you know, knowing that I needed CEUs to maintain my licensure. I didn't really know a lot about the process. So I just became super focused on what things needed to happen. Mm -hmm. Long story short, um, I, um, because I knew so much about that process when, um, when they, we were standing up the level three, I had reached out to Nicole and said, hey, um, I hear you're doing this certification process and I know a lot about continuing uh, professional development. If there's an opportunity to become involved, I'd like to do that. And so that was kind of my entry into it is I uh, helped with the professional development piece of it and okay. then just kind of fell into the accreditation piece. And so um, that it, it kind of morphed into this whole process for me. Um, you know, this was back in 2012. Oh, this was okay. So this is not recent. Yeah, yeah. Okay, got it. Okay. Mm -hmm. 
I ask that because uh, I believe Nicole's words were Amy's superpower is getting things certified. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I well, actually, I think what she said was my superpower is getting things accredited. That's right. And That's so, what it was. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I missed those. yeah. Exactly. And so, um, you know, the, it, it somewhat fell into my lap how, how this all came to be, but because that through that process, I was, I just understood how to figure out, um, how to make, how, how to meet a certain standard, you know, there's yeah. a published standard. And so I want to take what we're doing and ensure that we're meeting the standard, sometimes exceeding the standard mm -hmm. so that we can, um, you know, move forward basically. So on that note, what, like, and feel free to, to talk about this at whatever level you want. Like, what is the, like, why was it so important about like to, to make these courses accredited? Like what, like, why should people understand that that's a big deal? Other than just like, I've got my level one and having it accredited actually does mean something versus it not being accredited. Yeah, I think there are two levels here. One is accreditation is basically a voluntary process that an organization undertakes. So it's something we chose to do. And the reason you choose to get accredited is it's basically a validation to show the public that you're serious about um, having a high quality program. Mm -hmm. And then number two is there are certain um, occupational licensing uh, organizations or, or you know, governments or um, entities that will require that certain credentials are accredited. So, you know, we're, we're super fortunate in this, in our industry that we haven't gone that route yet. And I know CrossFit HQ has taken multiple steps to fight any efforts to um, license the mm -hmm. fitness industry, but, um, you know, organ other organizations or other professions might not have that opportunity to, to choose to do that. What's, uh, what's your personal thoughts on licensure in general coming from a previous profession that did require licensing versus the fitness industry? I guess this kind of depends on your occupation, but it is, you know, honestly, it's a slippery slope because I came from, um, you know, physicians, physical therapists, like nurse, like all of those folks are, are um, licensed and by law. And um, it's, I think, you know, depending on kind of how, if you get really philosophical about occupational licensing, um, you know, there's the, the thought that it's protects the public. And then there's the thought that, you know, it's somewhat of a racket in that what it does is it, um, it, it provides a barrier for other people to get into the space. And so I think there has to be a balance. And what we have right now is a system that requires licensure for certain professions. And um, I think it's just, it, there, there needs to, there need, we need to have some sort of um, public awareness of um, just kind of the whole landscape of licensing so that it doesn't get out of control. Yeah. The, is there any, I'm trying to think of how to ask this question so it makes sense. Does being accredited help in any way, shape, or form in the event licensure does hit the fitness industry? Oh, absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah, because again, you know, it's, it's something that the government is, is used to looking at. You know, if you look at the Department of Defense, you could, you could name a whole, you know, slew of things that they require to be accredited, whether yeah. it's occupations or whether it's, um, you know, uh, 
programs or uh you know they accredit products mm -hmm. so you know if the if a part that has to go into an airplane you know those types of things i mean yeah. there the government is used to looking for that level of validation when it's looking at considering that kind so of thing. So in, in, you know, obviously we don't, we particularly, and I say we CrossFit doesn't really want licensure to come into the fitness industry. I just, I know coaches is pretty adamant about that, but in the event that it did, would this kind of how, or where would this put, you know, the CrossFit trainers, whether it's level one, level two, level three, in a, kind of a better spot in the event that that starts coming down the, the, the pipe and they're just like, Hey, now you have to be licensed. Is that, does that help us in any way? Well, it helps from the perspective of what would happen. What likely would happen is licensure would say in order to become licensed, you need to have an accredited credential. Got it. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. Um, mm -hmm. The other thing that, and I remember reading this uh, in a couple of the blogs um, that the Russells did like a while ago, um, that like the different governing bodies for accreditation. So mm -hmm. CrossFit uses ANSI, so A-N-S-I. But what are the other ones? Oh, oh, I don't, sorry. Yeah, there's somebody there. Um, so the um what so we use ANSI, which is American National Standards Institute, is that correct? Yeah. Correct. And then yeah. what's different about that one from some of the other ones? So the um the the other um main organization that other people in the fitness industry go through is the NCCA, which okay, now I'm gonna um mess this up. It's the national I should look it up for you because I okay. don't recall what the um what the acronym stands for, but mm -hmm. essentially um, they're a national body. So mm -hmm. they only accredit um, programs in the U.S. Okay. ANSI is actually a member of the International Accreditation Forum, mm -hmm. which is an international body that establishes standards. So when you have, when you're accredited by ANSI, you're accredited to an international standard. Okay. Um, what's cool about that is they take subject matter experts from around the world and establish best practices. Yeah. Um, no problem. No, you're good. Go ahead. <laughs> they um, establish standards based on, you know, international considerations, which I think is yeah. amazing because, especially for us, because we have trainers all over the world. Mm -hmm. And so what we want to be able to do is take input from, you know, what's important to other countries and, you know, there are always going to be considerations that people nationally wouldn't. Okay. Um, okay. So now, and then, so typically what are most, so like, uh, like I'm the only the ones that come to mind are like the, the CPT or the, uh, CSCS, like what's different about those are, are they accredited by different bodies? Like it's the stuff that funds that falls under like ACSM or NSCA. Do you know what theirs are? Yeah, they're all, uh, they're all accredited through the NCCA. Okay. Got it. Okay. Um, so that, uh, that larger governing body is that's considered in the kind of, is that's considered the, the ANSI that's considering, is that considered better because it's international or is it just considered different? Well, um, we would say it's better. Yeah. And we would say that um, the requirements to meet the international standards are much more rigorous and much more challenging. And so um, 
we would say it's actually easier to meet the um, the NCCA standard, which is okay. why more fitness uh, uh, organizations do that. Right. Um, so it's the National Commission for Certifying Agencies. That's what that Got it. Okay. For. Yeah, I was like, I remember, I remember there was two different ones, and I, I just didn't have the information from that article on the tip of my tongue. But okay. <laughs> so do you like? And the other thing I don't think people understand is how long it is to make this happen. Like what the, like how long it takes to get a program or a course accredited. Like it's not just, I submit an online application, they come back and they say, you're good. It's a significant process that take, that, that not only takes a long time to get online, but then takes a continuing effort to keep it accredited over the years. Yes. I mean, it's, it's substantial. And I think, so I came into the process, like I said, in 2012, um, Nicole had already done a tremendous amount of work to get this rolling. And um, we were finally accredited in 2015. Is that right? That sounds right. Yeah. Um, I should know this off the top of my head, right? It's been a while at this point, though. I mean, <laughs> but yeah, I'm pretty sure that's right. I'm almost positive that's right, actually. And um, so, you know, the process entails, uh, you know, you've got to have so many, uh, you've got to complete um, a job task analysis. And that is you, you survey members of the community and you find out what are the knowledge, skills, and abilities you need to do this job. And then based on that, you put together an exam blueprint. And then you have to, uh, you know, provide, uh, have people go through the examination on kind of like a beta test. And then you have to analyze that data. Um, so, I mean, it's, there's so many steps to the process and not only is it a lot of time, but it's a tremendous amount of money. Um, you know, we're hiring testing consultants, we're yep. hiring um, psychometricians, we're hiring um, accreditation consultants. They're auditing our work. They're telling us, Hey, you need to beef up your ability to do this, this, and this. And um, it's, it's real. And then also, you know, we've got our peers from within the CrossFit community. So we had a lot of subject matter experts that came in and, and, did the, you know, kind of analyze the, the job task analysis and the exam blueprint, yeah. and then, and then actually the process for writing the exam, you know, that was all guided by consultants and high level, um, uh, professionals in the community. And it was, you know, it was a long, arduous, really rigorous process. And so I think that, um, you know, we take a lot of pride in the product we put out. It's, it's an amazing in the exam itself is an amazing exam and um it's no joke you know i think a lot yeah. of people who do it in the beginning oh no you're good that's alice <laughs> uh, well no the reason i bring that up is because you know the specifically the you know folks outside of the crossfit community would give the the level one specifically some flack and they'd be like oh well you take a weekend course and then take a a, a test um you know to which my argument is always well i don't have to take any you know, in-person instruction to, to become a certified strength and conditioning specialist, right? Like I can just literally, as long as I have a, a degree, I can register for the test and I can go take that test and I can pass or fail. So I think there's just a misunderstanding about how all of this works and how the function of all of it in the fitness industry. 
Right. You know, and that actually is a really good segue to talk about the difference between education, training, and certification. Okay. And just to follow up on what you just said, you know, I, there's not, there's nobody on seminar staff, there's nobody um, from within HQ that said, once you take that level one, you have, you know, everything you need to know about being a fitness trainer and you never need to do anything more. No, that's no. like exactly that. That is the complete opposite of what we end the weekend with, where we say, this exactly. is literally your first step in this lifelong journey like you are you are not even close to being done it's like it's like in a 24-hour day the level one is you waking up and getting out of bed like that is the first of the whole equation you know right yeah and it's just it's kind of frustrating because you know that statement it's a, it's really kind of an ignorant statement and the flip side of that is why it why it's so why it's such an important first step and you know this is that it's hands-on you are you are actually doing something it's a mm -hmm. it's a it's a participatory experience and i think that's why it sets up um sets people up well for their for their journey in fitness training so, so so explain to people what the difference between like how like what should they know like so people are always looking for continued education whether it's like some sort of whether it's an actual piece of paper or or a certificate or something what what should they understand about education versus training versus certification okay so education, the way I like to think about it is kind of like the overarching um, theoretical um, uh, information. Mm -hmm. So an example of that is, an example of education is teaching people why it's important to squat. Okay. Training is, I'm going to teach you the skill to train others how to squat. Okay. And then certification is, I am going to assess you to determine if you've taken everything you've learned over the course of your profession and have, see if you can demonstrate competence. Okay. So the level one would encompass what? So at least ed education and training, but education. I know there, I know there's a, there's a, there's a pretty definitive cutoff between a certificate versus a certification. Correct. And so a certification, um, so, certi so a certificate program is much different than a certification program. And the level one and level two, like you mentioned, are certificate courses. And a certificate course means that there is a set um, defined learning objectives. You are provided instruction that teach to those learning objectives. And then you may or may not test to see if there's mastery of those learning objectives. That's okay, so the certificate course does not have to include a test. Does not have to. Got it. So that's so so in that regard, the level one is going above and beyond for a certificate course. Correct. Got it. And so then just some, you know, some basic things about certificates is that they typically do not issue um, you know, there or there typically are no um ongoing requirements as far as professional development mm -hmm. but there typically are um there there's a validation period or a validity period yeah so like the level so, one level two is five years correct or, and another really good example of that is like cpr right you oh yeah that's training, right yep. you pass the test and in three or two years you need to repeat that training because it's only valid for two years yeah we're not saying you didn't do the training or that the training is necessarily outdated, but what we're saying is in order to um, keep up with a certain level of skill, then we're saying you need to repeat, you, like 
like we have a revalidation system for those yeah. courses. Um, and I think that's, that's important for people to understand because there are some people, and again, they just don't know what they don't know. They think that CrossFit mandates that they come back every five years and that I don't, CrossFit doesn't have any say so in there. Like that's, that is mandated in order to keep an, like a, an accredited course. Well, correct. So there's a validity period that is required. And so, um, and that's an industry standard. Mm -hmm. That's, that's just what high quality certificate programs do is they establish what the validity period is and they expect that you revisit that information and along that timeline. So that's, yeah, that's not something that we pull out of thin air. Yeah. The, and I'm trying to think back at the timeline. I want to say the, the level one course obviously it was originally not tested and I want to say it became tested in like 2011 and then accredited in 2015. I want to say that's like, that's a very rough timeline, but that's, I feel yeah, like it actually was. it was accredited in 2010. Oh really? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Right. This is, yeah, we're going on nine years of accreditation for the level one. Oh, but, oh, that's right. But that's when, okay. I remember because that's when they moved away from, if I'm not, if I'm correct, that's when they moved away from, testing and getting results. I'm sorry. Alice no, interrupted us. That's fine. I think, isn't that when they moved from testing and getting on site? Uh, it might be. I'm not the person to put on that. Okay. I remember, I just remember there was like a specific period in there where you had to, your credential was no longer good, even if it was in that five-year period. Mm -hmm. uh, you had to, you had like so long to, to keep it, but like because they had gone through the accreditation process. Yes, and that's exactly right. So you had, in order to have the accredited credential, you had, you were given that time frame. To, no, um, you're good. UPS is at my door. Oh, okay. Take care if you need to. Take care of it if you need to. Okay, hang on. Yeah, so things I think is important. So timeline is important here, guys. So you need to think about like um, the, the, this has been a decade-long process and is only continuing to improve over time. So um, and, and we're going to talk a little bit about the level two and the level three, um, and then we'll kind of give you as much as we can about the level four um, that is coming online. So, but the level three I think is five years old, um, and that is Amy's. That's kind of her swim lane. So Amy kind of governs the certification or the program. She's a manager for a program for that for the level three specifically. So um, she, we're gonna get we're gonna do a deep dive in level three in a minute. But um, okay, so the yeah, so I think that I think that timeline is correct. We had like a really small window to get that like to get up to speed. Otherwise, your credential was no longer any good. And then trying to think so I came on staff in 2013 and that's when the I think that's when really when a lot of the kind of revisions and oversight really started to hit hard with regard to how the programming how the uh the course was facilitated where like there was some hard there's like some really hard wickets that you have to hit with regard to presenting the course otherwise you could lose that accreditation yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it the the process is it's yearly surveillance. Mm -hmm. So every year we're submitting just massive doc, amounts of documentation to show that when we you know that we continue to meet the standard and yeah. and then assessors say, "Hey, these are the standards you're not meeting and you need to fix these." And so yeah. that's, you know, it's that kind of back and forth. 
And the test is, and the test gets revised as well. So if anybody's taking the level course, you remember the, when it gets briefed at test time, they say, Hey, there are five test questions on here that don't count towards or against you. And so that's part of the accreditation process as well to make sure that the questions are appropriate, uh, in that overall picture of keeping a course accredited as well. So, okay. Yeah. yeah so there's a standard that speaks to having a fair and reliable exam. And so we have to, you know, that's all part of how we, how you manage reliability is constantly refreshing. And it's a lot, it's super hard with the level one because of the exposure. I mean, you know, the hundreds of thousands of people that take that, mm -hmm. that test, um, you know, it keeps everybody on their toes with that whole yeah. test refresh reliability issue. But yeah, that's why there's like verbiage in all of the, like in the test briefing about like not discussing the test and all that stuff. Um, and then- that's the uh, the level two that's going through some changes, so that's going to change as far as that certificate. Um, but I don't remember is does that is that course also accredited? I feel like I should know that, but like it is not. Okay, and and it's and it's not because that one is it's a kind of a unique course, and I and I feel like that is has a lot to do with it. It is so it's harder to standardize a, a course like the level two that's yeah. so um, um, you know. It, 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 it's just, it's just a harder process. It's certainly something we've discussed and, you know, we'll see down the road, it might, that might change. Um, and actually the, the change with the, with the, the, the change in the new test that also might streamline that process. But right now, um, I honestly don't know yeah. what the, what it, you know, what the decision for that is. So, yeah. So for those of you that don't know, this is not uh, kind of secret information. This has already been released. I don't, I don't know what the timeline for that is or what the specifics are, but the, for the level two, you, there will no longer be a test on site. There will be a test that you can take after the course. Um, kind of, I, I guess like the easiest way to kind of like you would take the judges course, you know, for the, for the open, but, um, but it would be for your level two. So that will no longer be tested on site. It'll be tested post taking the course to get that certificate. Um, so that's going to be a change. So it's not going back to what it was before. It's kind of like an intermediate between those two where you used to just take the level two and it was more participatory than anything. Um, but yeah, so for the standard, for those of you that have not taken your level two, the reason that one, uh, is probably again, in my limited knowledge, more difficult to get accredited is, is because of the uniqueness of the course, meaning most of that is personalized feedback to the coaches that come in and take that course. So it'd be incredibly difficult to standardize individual feedback across however many tens of hundreds of thousands of athletes that are coming through the level two course. Um, Correct. So, um, so now I want to transition. I want to get into a little bit, which is your kind of specific swim lane in this whole process, which is your baby is the level three. Mm -hmm. So um, for those of you that have not sat for the level three, it is a no joke, right? It is a full fledged four hour test. Uh, and if I tell people all the time, do not go into that thinking that it's going to go well. Like it is a very difficult test. Most, I don't know what the numbers are, but like the, the failure rate is not low. It's, it's, it's pretty significant, which I think is a testament to the test. Yeah. And we don't, we don't actually publish the, um, the pass rate. Yep. I think what we're waiting um, for in regards to that is just 
a few more years of data. Yeah. You know, it was, so um, it was accredited in the fall of 2015. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the seminar staff actually took that, uh, the, the exam as part of the beta yep. um, the year before. So it's really still a pretty young exam. Mm-hmm. And so we want to get, make sure we've got a lot of really good data before we start putting that out to the public. Um, but, you know, the pass rate is, the pass rate, it, as far as it doesn't really impact individuals per se, because, yeah. you know, whether or not someone else passed has no impact on whether the next person is going to pass. Cause it's, it's not, you know, it, it's based on there's a, there's an absolute cut score and you either meet the cut score or you don't. Um, is, can you tell, like, do you know how many people have taken it? Can you release that information? Like how many people have actually gone through that course? Oh, well, it's not a course. So the exam, well, you mean? Sorry. Yeah, yeah. So that's a good place to start actually, um, have taken that test. And then we can talk about the difference between a course and what makes it a certification. Okay. So, oh gosh. If you don't know, that's fine. But, um, I don't know how many people have taken the exam because my, the data that I get includes people who have retaken it as well. Oh, um, but it. I can okay. tell you, I can tell you there are approximately 1,100, almost 1,200 people who have, who are a level three, a CCFT level three. Oh, so okay. it's a fair number of people who have the credential. So that's probably, I mean, that's definitely less than 1% of CrossFit trainers out there. It is. Yeah. yeah. Like significantly less than 1%. Cause I want to say that, that want that CrossFit level one trainer is like something to the tune of 120 to 150 about hundred. Okay. That sounds right to me as well. So yeah, I mean, if you talk about, if you look at percentages within the, the credentialed staff within CrossFit or the credentialed uh, professionals within CrossFit, yeah, it's a really small percentage. Um, you know, of course we'd like to see that grow and, um, but, but the reality is, is it's not a, it's not a, Hey, sign up, check in the box, show up, yeah. you know, if you've got a pulse, you'll pass and, you know, you go on your merry way. It's a, it's a serious professional credential. Yeah. So, so let's talk about that. So what makes that level three different, right? So what, what's the difference between a certificate course and what now we've moved into the realm of like, I hold a certification. Okay. So certification means, uh, assessment of, uh, basically a, the breadth of a professional knowledge base. So the knowledge, skills, and abilities that you need to be a certain professional. And so it's not based on any coursework. It's not based on any specific items. It's basically this whole broad view of, do you meet a minimum level of competency to actually do this job? Mm -hmm. So it's very broad in scope. Um, That's why I always, I always, that's why I always struggle when people ask me, like, what should I study for the level three? And I'm like, ah, everything? Like, 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 there's yeah. no, it's, it's really tough in that regard because there's no one place you, it's not like, Hey, if you read through this book or this, like it's, it's, it is really a very, very broad assessment of one's coaching skills in general. So like technical knowledge with regard to programming, nutrition, your, yes. your visual yes. perspicuity with regard to seeing movement, like all of that mm-hmm. stuff. Right now, but that said, there is a, there's a content outline that is, that forms the exam blueprint, right? So, you know, you go, you can look at how, how much, how many questions are going to be involved with coaching or how many questions are going to be involved with classroom management, that kind of thing. And the exam questions are, are written to the content outline, Mm -hmm. meaning 
if you see a knowledge, skill, or ability that's, that's described in the content outline, we're going to ask you a question that you should be able to apply. If, if you are competent in that knowledge base, you should be able to apply that knowledge and answer that question properly. And that is where that's yeah, no, it makes perfect sense to me. And this is where I, this is where I think people get hung up because in a lot of instances, uh, I'm trying to like, I couldn't give away any of the questions if I wanted to, because I don't remember because I took it five years ago, but it's, (laughs) it's, it's much less like, you know, um, it, the answers are, it is a multiple choice test, but they do all of the questions require a very, uh, broad comprehension of the topic. So a lot of it is not just like, you know, is this the right hand or the left hand is like the most, ba- like it's it's like, do you understand like the overarching principle and how it would be applied in the kind of this scenario? Um, that's what that's I think, that's what I think makes it very challenging. Yeah, and that's exactly right. So, you know, we also provide um, some online study materials. And what we say is the questions aren't, the exam items aren't taken from the study materials. What we're providing the study materials for is if you if you look at the content outline and let's say here, let me give you an example. So content outline under programming is you should be able to um, adjust programming based on performance and goals. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that that's a pretty broad that's knowledge. That's super theory, broad, right? yeah. yeah. Super broad. Um, so maybe we have um, some study materials that address programming for different performance levels, different mm-hmm. goal levels, different ability levels, those kinds of things. So the study materials um, are there to help you develop the um, the ability to apply that knowledge to that particular exam item. Yeah, the uh, the guidance I generally give people is if you are not in a in an affiliate actively coaching and instructing CrossFit on, on almost a daily basis, you should probably not sit for that test. Yeah. I mean, pr- practical experience coaching is critical. It's absolutely critical. So I, just, yeah. And I think know. that's that. So, so a lot of people, and I think, you know, it, which is strange because we're five years into this, but I think people are now really starting to understand the value of the level three, because in if you kind of think about that, nobody really got it five years ago. They're just like, okay, cool. It's another course that CrossFit's going to make money on blah, blah, blah. Uh, which is probably not the case. Um, but, (laughs) but this, as CrossFit matures, as the affiliate community matures, as coaches mature, because realistically, like there's still a fairly new kind of, um, environment that we're all operating in relative to fitness, like overall, um, that is now a separator. Like now there are people will start looking for people who have a level three because it, it, it is very much a clear delineation between somebody's knowledge and skill set versus the next person. And I think Nicole said this, um, you know, as she does, you know, very, very, um, succinctly is absent of any other information about this person. It tells me that they know what they're talking about. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, like outside of the fact of like, are they an asshole or, or, or all of that other stuff? Um, but it does tell me that they have like a, a significant amount of knowledge with regard to CrossFit in, in its entirety. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's just it, it's somewhat it's what it speaks to is someone who's taken that next level to show that they're competent and to show that they're serious about, um, you know, maintaining a professional credential 
that is going to insist that they have ongoing professional development and ongoing um, coaching hours. And it, you know, it just puts them in a level of, uh, you know, as if we were licensed, yeah. they're taking that voluntary step to, to maintain the standard of if we are licensed while we're not. Yeah. So on that note, so that's actually a good little uh, like kind of pivot there, which is mm -hmm. the, how does CEUs fit into this whole game? So this is not, once you take the level three, there's kind of two ways you can keep their credentials. One, I can do my CEUs in that time frame, but if I don't, then I would have to reset for that exam. Correct. Correct. Yeah. So um, the 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 research part of the standard is you have to have established recertification requirements, and our recertification requirements are CEUs, um, ongoing coaching hours, maintenance of your CPR. Um, and, and CEUs, so for, you know, continuing education, CEUs is continuing education units. Mm -hmm. Um, some people call them credits, some people call them, you know, whatever, uh, we call them CEUs. Um, it basically is just a standard of measurement for, um, hours spent in ongoing education. So and what are the, what are the, what's the hours required for, to maintain the credential for the, th 50 for the hours? Thing? Yeah, 50 hours every three years. 50 hours every three years. So mm -hmm. nothing crazy. You got to get roughly 15 hours of CEUs annually in order to maintain your credential. Correct. And then how many hours, what's the hours requirement of coaching? Do you know? I don't remember what that is actually. 300. 300, got it. Okay. So not an incredible amount, but. No, um, you want to know something interesting. When we I launched do. the credential, it was 900. For maintenance? Yes. That's more than it's required to sit for the exam. Yeah. Is yeah. it still, is 700 or 750? 750 to, if you to apply sit. through path one. Yeah. And 1500. Yeah. So, yeah, so then there's two paths. So, so talk about that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So to finish that though, so we, we launched it at nine, 900 hours every three years. Um, and then we quickly realized um, that was just not sustainable. And so that's we, a lot. It is a lot. It is a lot. And so um, we, we changed that to 300. I think it's a lot more reasonable. And, um, but uh, you know, there's some, if you're again, holding a professional credential, there's no reason you can't yeah. um, maintain a hundred contact hours per year of, of coaching. Um, but okay. So path one, path two, uh, per credit are, so uh, accreditation standards that we adhere to require that you have an alternative pathway from your own instruction. So we can't require someone to take CrossFit training in okay. order to be eligible for this exam. Um, so one pathway is you can get your level one, your level two, and then you have 750 hours of training others utilizing the CrossFit methodology. Mm -hmm. um, pathway two is you can have 1500 hours uh, of strength and conditioning coaching at the collegiate or professional level. So an example of that is you're the strength coach for the baseball team at uh, UCLA. Okay. Or you're the strength coach for the Seattle Seahawks. Okay. Um, though that type of thing. Got it. And um, then those, do they still have different names? Like it wasn't one the CFL three and then the other one was CCFT or am I saying that right? No, so actually, so here, this is a good part of clarification as well. So the actual credential is called the CCFT, the Certified okay. CrossFit Trainer. Okay. That is, the, if 
the, that acronym is the actual accredited certification. Okay. So level three is a CrossFit specific designation. And it's Got only it. given to people who have, pa- have come up, have passed the exam coming through pathway one. Got it. So if you're, if you're the strength coach and you apply via pathway two, you don't have a CrossFit level three. Got it. You just you have, have a CCFT. Okay. Yeah. Got it. Okay. Um, yeah, I thought that was interesting. And I, even though like somebody, like it would be interesting, like, uh, I would, I'd be curious how many people, and I'm, you probably don't even have this information have gone through pathway two. Like, I just don't know. I don't know how successful you would be in sitting for that exam. If you were not, had not come through the, the, the other, the other pathway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We, it's, it's still a pretty small number. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I don't know, I haven't separated out that pass rate. Um, but, um, you know, I, it's, it, it is, I, I yeah. think that, I think there's avenues for both people to be yeah. successful. Um, so, yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's just, it's just part of, you know, cause can you imagine what a racket that is? You develop a certification and you say the only way you can get this is if you take all of my courses here. Yeah, absolutely. And people would be like, yeah, you just want more of my money. And, and it's just yeah. like that. And that would be a valid gripe. Um, yeah. I, so when I saw that, I was like, oh, that's, that's a, and 1500 hours in the strength and conditioning. That's a, that's a significant, that's not chump yeah. change. Yeah. And, and the, the rationale behind that is, okay, so you don't have, you know, there has, what they ask for is some sort of equivalency. And, you know, the reality is, is that that's a really tough thing to decide. Um, yes. But, you know, we have, a, we have a board of mm-hmm. subject matter experts that consider all of these things. Oh. And, and, and what we looked at was, well, people coming from the strength conditioning community maybe they should have additional hours in lieu of any type of training requirements Mm -hmm. and so you know it is what it is it's been reviewed it's been approved um and here we are five years later you know four and a half years later Mm -hmm. um but yeah the, the the issue is that you have to give people the opportunity to um to have an alternate pathway The, um, and the real takeaway I would really want people to walk away with is the amount of time, resources, money that CrossFit is putting behind, like making this pipeline legitimate, like far more legitimate than most, if not any other trainer credentials that you could have because of the requirement. I mean, somebody who has a level one, level two, you know, level three, and then we can chat a little bit about the level four. Um, like that is a significant journey and tells me a lot about you as a professional, you know, which is not the case if I'm just going to, you know, like if you, if you have the CPT, which is a certified personal trainer through ACE, I mean, you can just take that test. Like that's yeah, you order the book, you study the book and you take the test or you don't study. And you could just don't, like, I took the CS, you know, full disclosure. I took the CSCS. Um, I did not study one second for that test. I, li- uh-huh. I, I was able to apply because I have a degree. So yeah. my, degree, my degree is in economics, by the way. Um, <laughs> so I registered for the test. I went and took the test. So there's, that's two part test. So that is, I forget what they're called. I'm going to butcher these names, but one is like, basically the practical application and the other one is like applied sciences or something of that nature mm-hmm. breeze through the practical application and then failed the applied sciences portion because that one that portion of the test is very specific to the study material which i had not mm-hmm. studied um because they want very specific answers and for somebody who's looking for a little bit more specificity on that if they're talking about uh, 
caloric needs for an athlete. Like they want a specific answer based on the athletes and the parameters that they gave you, which in large part would not fall in line with what we believe would be calorically required for an athlete and, and macro distribution as well. So that's the kind of stuff where I am going to sit for it and take it again, but I'm going to have to crack a book for that. So, because I'm going to have to study to that test in order to pass the test. Um, and you actually just hit on a really important information of why licensure itself is really scary because the potential for licensure is that there would be somebody um, that is not a subject matter expert making decisions about that exam question needing to be, is it their nutrition standards, mm -hmm. our nutrition standards, someone else's nutrition standards, and, and, and really what the, the answer should be is a nutrition standard. Mm -hmm. And you know what I mean? It, it, it's kind of like having a state sponsored religion. We don't want it. We want our state picking one, right? Yeah. We want it's like religious yeah. freedom, right? Yeah. No matter, no matter what you believe or don't believe mm -hmm. you get to pick not, yeah. we're not going to tell you. So, so, so actually that's actually a good kind of like little mini discussion is why should CrossFit trainers actually forget that trainers in general, why should they be a little bit weary of licensure in the fitness industry? Like if you want to elaborate more, a little bit more along the lines of that, what you were just kind of talking about, like, why should we be worried about that? Well, you should be worried because the, I, I think traditionally the people that are driving those, um, driving th that whole process, uh, have potentially their own interest in mind where they, you know, other drafts that we've seen in certain states have said, um, you need to be accredited by this body or you need to have a credential from this organization where they're specifying um, who gets to be the purveyor of, of our profession. Yeah. And that's total and utter bullshit. Yeah. And if you want to do a deeper dive into that, I think it's uh, Keeping Fitness Legal. Is that now the name of the blog? Uh, uh, I believe so. Something like that. Yeah. But I mean, those guys have covered this yeah, um, at to the extent that I could never even, um, you know, summarize for you. But I mean, it's, you know, it's the issue is, is if you if you look at what the goal, if somebody's goal is to prevent someone else from having a share in the market, then you really need to be um, concerned that maybe they don't have your best interest at heart. Yeah. And I think the big takeaway is like twofold. It's like, Hey, it is somewhat of a racket to limit market competition, but more importantly, I, there's a confusion generally on the consumer end that having a license means that I like, there's some sort of like specific professional development behind that person which is Correct. not the case like in a lot of those instances it means i just paid for the license like without any sort of credential behind it meaning i just have this piece of paper that means i'm licensed to do this thing mm -hmm. um but it doesn't speak to it's not based on professional development and qualifications reached to be at a certain level within a specific industry which i think is the bigger takeaway is that being licensed and the way that it's trying to come down via legislation is not going to mean that somebody is good at what they do. Correct. Yeah. So, um, cool. That's a lot. So what else, if anything, should people know about level one, level two, or just that kind of certification process in general? Well, I think, you know, what I always recommend is you need to start with your goals. What are your goals? Right. And if your goals are um, 
to receive the highest quality education and training, then you go and you take your level one. Mm -hmm. If your goals are then to advance your, um, you know, your, your training, your ability to train others, then you go and you take your level two. Mm-hmm. If your next goal is to kind of commit to a higher level of professional standard, then you decide you're going to sit for your level um, for the CCFT mm-hmm. examination. Um, and then part of that process is ongoing professional development mm-hmm. and um, maintaining that certification. So, you know, it's all about what, what are your goals? What do you want to do? And, and then you decide where to go from there. Yeah, and then I think the, the the burning question on a very small percentage of the population, because only those people, less than 1% is even qualified to potentially get their the follow-on kind of the last credential would be the level four. So mm-hmm. we, we can't give you specific dates or, or, too, or too much on that. Um, but I know there's always been like, the level four has been like this myth that kind of floats around and be like, oh. <laughs> it's um, the unicorn, right? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's the unicorn. And um, I, I, think, I think it does... Warrant a discussion about kind of like why that has been this kind of cloud, if you will, um, that kind of sits up there because of the uniqueness of it. And if you think about certifications, credentials, to my knowledge, I this what CrossFit is trying to do with a level four has literally never been done before. Yeah, I mean, so it's it's pretty epic, and you know, we're we're anxious to release it. We really are, Um, but like everything CrossFit does, you know, we're doing it the right way. Mm -hmm. We're engaging in a process that people don't even, you know, can't even comprehend that goes into standing up and a credential like that. And so the level four is also going to be a certification, Mm -hmm. meaning you're going to have eligibility requirements. It's going to test a broad range of knowledge, skills, and abilities. It's going to have recertification requirements with ongoing professional development, all of those things. So it fits in that certification box. And so, the other part of that is that we have to have a rely a fair and reliable exam. And so building so that's the that- part that I think is sticky that people don't understand is like the, so there's the, there's the course, but then I, the way Nicole was explaining it was, and I'm not going to give away anything that is super specific, but the accreditors within the organization have to go through a pretty significant kind of, um, and when I say accreditors, mean or assessors is probably a better word That's for that. Um, have to go through a pretty nauseating process to make sure that that assessment process is is pretty standardized across. Because so you can imagine, you know, if I if there's whatever, we'll just use the whole CrossFit seminar staff. So there's let's just say there was 200 level one and level two trainers total, and then let's say you picked. I'm just making these numbers up, so don't hold me to these guys. Let's say you picked. 10 of them out of there who are going to be level four assessors. Those four or those 10 people would have to have a very reliable, uh, consistent means of assessment across the board, regardless of who they were assessing or where or what combination they were put in. So that really is the struggle and um, uh, currently that is is trying to be sorted out um so i mean yeah so i mean the the whole the whole evaluation development so that we refer to the level th- the the ccft as an examination we mm-hmm. refer to the level four the ccfc as an evaluation mm-hmm. um so for the evaluation you know the evaluation has to be written and then it has to be you know like you said the the raters um, have to be trained to 
to give that assessment. And then that all of that piece has to be analyzed by testing consultants, psychometricians, all of that kind of stuff. And it's this continuous process. And it's, um, like I've said, it's super rigorous and it's super time consuming. And so what we're doing is putting, putting into play the, the really important steps, laying the foundation, really strong foundation for, I mean, a pretty kick-ass um, evaluation. It's going to, I mean, it, it's going to be just kind of like, I think when the CCFT came out and people, you know, everyone's excited and they rush into it and they're like, oh shit. <laughs> you know, um, it, you know, it's, it's, it's not, I, I would say any certification in general that CrossFit puts out is not to be rushed into lightly. It's, it's a serious, it's a serious endeavor. You have to, you have to know why you're doing it and uh, have, you know, it's not just a check in the box. It's not just because you want a bunch of letters behind your name. It's because you take the process seriously and, um, you know, approach it with a little bit of respect because, um, I mean, to be blunt, you need to know your shit. You need to know your shit. Know your shit. Yeah. 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 And I think, I think, uh, the frustration is people are anxious to do it. However, uh, it could, because the reality is like CrossFit could have put it together and put it on the street and, and, and we could do this process and, and we could, and we could slap level four on people that would, we, you know, the, the organization deemed, um, worthy, but it wouldn't be legitimized by an outside party, which I think is why they're taking kind of the long, slow approach to this. So that long term, 10, 15, okay. 20 years from now, like that credential actually means something. No, it's Correct. not like I got a I got a sticker, you know, it says I'm level four, you know. <laughs> the t-shirt, right? Yeah, so. You know, honestly, I, that's a really good assessment of it. And I think that one of the things that's most exciting for me is the feedback that I see um, that people who undertake this process, and I, I have a feeling it's gonna be the same, we're gonna see the same feedback for the level four, yeah. is that people say, I learned so much and I grew as a coach during this process. Yeah. So whether, even people who failed have come back and say, I failed and I'm disappointed, but I'm going to do it again because I've learned so much and I've become a better coach. So mm -hmm. you know who the real winners are is the whole community because mm -hmm. what they're getting is more experience, more confident, more competent, and more um, just aware uh, coaches out there that are that are really serving this community and to me that's that's pretty phenomenal yeah i mean i don't i can't i actually can't think of a better way to end this podcast i think that was a great great summation of like why this process is important why crossfit and and hq is spending so much time trying to make sure that this you know came online stays online and then the follow-on courses uh will do the same thing so um awesome i uh I think that was a good kind of clarification on a lot of kind of weird little mis, uh, misunderstandings about the whole process and, and, and the courses in general. So um, thank you. I learned something. Yeah. That was great. Yeah. Thank um, you. Absolutely. If you guys have questions uh, about any of this stuff, just hit us up in the DM and, uh, and we'll be happy to hand those off to Amy. Uh, and like I said, like this is kind of straight from, uh, you know, the head shut up there uh, about what's going on, why it is the way it is. And, um, and I think you guys should be excited. So the level four is coming. It's coming. It's going to happen. Um, but if you have not taken your level three and you want to pursue 
your professional development as a coach, I highly recommend the level three. Uh, but you know, as Amy and I have both stated, it is not something to be taken lightly. You should spend some time with your face in a book. You should spend some time coaching athletes on the floor and, uh, and be prepared for a rigorous, uh, you know, test of your knowledge. So, um, anything else? No, I just, thanks. Thanks for having me. And awesome. It was great. Listen, if I know you guys are mad because we never send any people to Washington, but nobody, <laughs> nobody goes from Virginia beach to Washington, but if they do, I'm sending them to Kitsap CrossFit. So <laughs> we appreciate that. <laughs> um, awesome. If you guys have any other questions, uh, please send them our way and we'd be happy to get answers for you um, via Amy and the certification team. So um, awesome. Thank you so much for your time. I know you're busy, so we appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. My pleasure. Awesome. Thanks again for listening to Best Hour of Their Day. Just a reminder, Fern and I have an amazing new show called Dropping In, premiering on our YouTube channel in early 2020. Be sure to head over to the Best Hour of Their Day YouTube channel now. Subscribe so you don't miss any of the episodes. You've probably heard us talking about it, summarizing some of our trip. You can see some highlights up on our Instagram as well, at best hour of their day. But I promise you, you're not going to want to miss out. So subscribe now. Thanks for everything you do. Thanks for letting us be a part of your lives. Hope you have a great rest of your day. Tune in tomorrow for another episode of Best Hour of Their Day.